on my birthday, I tried to pull him aside privately. I mean, yeah. as most private as we could be on you a made it, public Yeah, you made street. us wait around the corner. Um, Which we, I didn't want to be, like, I didn't want to be in that with yeah. you. Like, yeah, that was something you guys needed to do yourself, you know? <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> Man. We're, like, we're in a circle, and, like, you're, you're surrounding, like, me and I him. I would have gone all, um, Charlotte on him. Was it oh Charlotte? My, yeah, in yes, Sex and the City. Like, yes. no. Like, don't touch her. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just imagine, like, you guys, like, ganging up on us, like, as we're in the middle Just, of the Just, like, standing fight. in, like, a circle, like, all right, who's going in the middle now? <laughs> I mean, y'all could have, like, got some popcorn or something. Like, it was, I mean, it was entertainment, We could have walked around the block. I like, would have loved to have been not in that fight, actually, and been one of you guys just watching it happen, because that seems like a better spot to be at. We were we- having our own little powwow <laughs> together. <laughs> Hey there, gals. Hey there, gals. And welcome back to The Gals Guide. Welcome back for another episode. So The Bachelor. So The Bachelor. It happened. It sure did. And if you guys follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you probably saw all my thoughts that I had on the finale, but I have yet to hear Hannah's thoughts. Yeah, so I watched it a day late. Yeah. And you kind of avoid the social media. It was really hard to avoid my social media, which is like an issue um, <laughs> and something that I need to work on anyways. But I kept seeing little spoilers and I read a spoiler, which the spoiler I read was like 80% right. Okay. It didn't talk about like an engagement. It did talk about like going back to the U.S. and talking to both girls. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of on the same Mindset, I guess. Was it Reality Steve? I don't you? know who it was that I read. Oh, I, I just have know, no I idea. I know he's like always like the one I think that's notorious for having the yeah. spoiler, so I wasn't sure. Yeah, so kind of knew Madison was going to leave, mm-hmm. so that wasn't really... Oh, yeah, spoilers ahead of this if you haven't oh, yeah. watched it, but if you also, like, how are you been on the internet? True. <laughs> so, like, I kind of knew Madison's going to leave mm-hmm. from Australia, so that wasn't, like, news to me, but I was... The first thing, I was shook... That he actually went through with the proposal. Yeah. And part of me wonders if the producers were like, no, we have to get a proposal out of this. Yeah. Or if he was just like, no, yeah, we're just going to marry Hannah Ann. It's fine. Because, like, like, I get that he was in love with two girls. So, like, in a way, like, maybe whatever. But I think for me, the fact that she wasn't maybe going to come, like, if I were in his shoes... I would have been like, I'm not going to propose at this point because once she's not sure she wants to come, I'm not sure of what just uh, happened. Well, when I watched part one of the finale on Monday night and he didn't tell her that like Madison had already left, Mm -hmm. I thought that was extremely unfair because, I mean, like he doesn't outright say it. So like you could assume that maybe she already knew like or Chris told her, the producers told her, but still like, no, like that's not fair to her Uh, because like when you, when he mentions Madison's one mentioning Madison's name during the proposal. Yeah, that was ridiculous. I was but just like, like, it's like mm, not the t- time or place to bring up your ex's name, but uh, like just mentioning that she left two days ago. Hannah Ann could be inclined to think, and I think she said outright, like she was inclined to think that he sent Madison home. Mm-hmm. She didn't just she didn't leave. He sent her home. Yeah, and it's like oh no, like. Clearly, he's so in love with me. He sent this girl home two days ago, like, and just, like, didn't feel the need to bring it up at the time because, like, it was irrelevant and she's irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And that's actually not the case at all. I honestly feel like he said it 
because he needed to convince himself that what he was doing was fine. Yeah. Like, it's almost like he was just like, yeah, Madison left, like, two days ago. So, like, in his head, like, obviously I'm making the right decision because she chose to leave. Yeah, and he doesn't know how to make his decisions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, but, I mean, Hannah Ann, when when she stood up to him. My respect for her. Oh, my God. I have so much respect for her. Where was that girl all season? I know. <laughs> I mean, it's just, like, with Hannah Brown. Like, I did not like Hannah Brown at all when she was on Colton's season of The Bachelor. Like, yeah. I just didn't like her at all. She was definitely a pawn. I feel like how Hannah Ann was, where the producers tried to use her to create drama. Yeah. And then towards the end, she was just like, I'm not doing this. But when Hannah Brown was the Bachelorette, I loved her Mm -hmm. as a Bachelorette. And I was like, I mean, yeah, I'm like, I'll watch Claire Crawley's season because... I'm not very excited about it, to be completely um, honest. I mean... I'm just kind of done with it after this season because I feel like I wasted my time (laughs) watching it and then all the shit hit the fan at the finale. I haven't ever seen Claire on on The Bachelor because I started watching when Big Higgins was The Bachelor. Uh, So I'm new to her, but it's interesting to, one, see an older Bachelorette, Mm -hmm. even though a lot of the guys are younger, but also Tyler C.'s best friend. I saw that. Is on The Bachelorette. And I'm going to watch him for that. And I pray to God they bring him back onto the show just for a little bit. That's what I'm holding out for. Just like a little, like a little tease. Just a little tease. Like they're doing his intro. He's like, hey, yo, what's up? My name is Matt. And then you see Tyler C in the background. Like, that's that's all I want. That's that's all I'm here for. Uh, I might watch it just for kicks and giggles. But I don't know. Regardless of whoever The Bachelorette is, I love The Bachelorette more than The Bachelor because if you think the women are dramatic, the guys, the guys, (laughs) it's, it's, it's more petty. It's stupid. It's like, oh my God. (laughs) Like it's hysterical. Yeah. It's not exhausting. I feel like it's watching girls be dramatic. It's more funny Mm -hmm. to me. So that's one reason why I like it. But I'm interested to see it. I don't think a lot of the guys are attractive, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. But I also want to talk about Barb. Oh my god. I know you guys are probably sick and tired of hearing the Maddie versus Barb debacle going on right now. But, and I know everybody has their own personal views about this whole thing. A lot of people are Team Barb or Team Maddie. I'm or Team Hannah. Everyone's Team. I feel like everyone's Team Hannah Ann. Yeah. Oh, Because okay. everything yeah. she said was I mean, when she dropped totally that Hannah valid. Brown, I was like... Any closure from Hannah Brown? Apparently Chris Harrison had no idea about any of that. I was like, I would have, I would have ended things right then. Well, would Hannah Brown, like, he texted Hannah Brown and be like, you know, like, hey. Hey, I'm just engaged. So you know, like, I got engaged. I would have been like, his name is Hannah. I would have mm-hmm. been like, okay, good for you. That's what was supposed to happen. Yeah, like, that was the whole point <laughs> of was, the show. Uh, yeah, that's the whole point. <laughs> I don't know, man. But the whole Maddie Barb thing, the whole season's been super toxic, and yes. that whole fight was just very, very toxic. Like I said, and petty. Time and place. That was not the time nor the place. Yeah. And I think that conversation should have been had between Barb and Peter. I don't think that she should have said yeah. the things that she said the way she said them to Maddie, because I yeah. don't think that that was fair. And I think she made her son out to be this guy who, like, is very intimate in every relationship, drinks all the time in parties, but he's about to be 30 soon. Like, in what, two years? Something. Yeah, he's like 28. Yeah. Like, I don't, I like, you gotta settle down at some point. You gotta yeah. stop being a little hoe at some point. <laughs> you know? Like, I'm sorry, but that that's the reality yeah. of it when you're looking for a serious relationship. And I feel like she just put this, like, whole lifestyle on him and was like, oh, he can never change. 
I do I think they were good for each other? I don't. I think they're two completely opposite people. I think Maddie is looking for someone who's like her dad, and that's not Peter. Yeah. And that's fine. But they, I feel like they needed to figure that out for themselves. Yeah. And, tr- and inputting like that on national television was just Live like on top of that. uncomfortable. Yeah. I definitely think that – I don't think that they're Peter and Maddie are a good fit. Obviously, they broke up already. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> clearly they're not. They never were to begin with. But, I mean, I definitely, I can see both sides of the situation. I don't think that that was a time or place. I feel like that should have not been said on TV. There's also things that, because when you say it like that, like, you can't take it back yeah. at all. And even, like, to say they were to still be together, like, it's just, he's a grown boy. He can make his own decisions. Do I think that them being together was smart? No, because Peter was compromising a lot of himself I agree. for Maddie. Should she have to compromise on her beliefs? That with those her certain beliefs away until marriage, no, I yeah. that's a very strong boundary that like you cannot comp that she yeah. does not refuses to compromise on, she shouldn't have to. However, she should see that Peter is compromising all of himself mm-hmm. to you yeah. know try and make this work and everything. And like, just I think, can we like there's just a lack of communication. Yeah. I mean, she openly, like, she never said that she... I don't think she ever said she was saving herself for marriage. I don't think she, she did either. She just said, like, I don't want you yeah. to save the other girls. And also, like, I feel like everything that she said in the car when she left Australia was valid. Yeah. And, like, like she was like, this is hard, but I know it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And I think she should have just kind of stuck with that. She like, shouldn't have gone on the show. <laughs> that, too. That, like, too. If that's but, your belief <clears throat> and everything, like, you have to understand that, yeah, I get, like, there's the Coltons of the world who are the same way, but she's, like, the only Bachelor that's ever been like that. Yeah. There's, you're, you know, have you, did you never watch the show? Yeah. Like, you know what the show is. Like, you're not going to be this one outlier that comes in and changes everything. This show's been going on for 10 years. Yeah. I'm sorry, like, you're not going to be the girl that changes it, mm-hmm. and you shouldn't think that you were going to, ch- and that's the thing, like, you shouldn't think you're going to change Peter. Yeah, because you're, you're not. Like, yeah. that's not the point of a relationship. A point is, the point is not to change them, but to grow together and compromise as a team. Yeah. And, like, I didn't see her growing with him. It was almost like she yeah. was trying to change him. Like, he was drinking apple cider. That, that, that was it for me. I was like, he literally brought sparkling apple cider. Like, to do a toast. I'm sorry. You don't have to drink, but, but I, I am. am. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, the, no. and the fact that he felt like he had to do that was was no. a flag for, well, there were other flags, but, like, that was, like, it for me. I was like, they need to just, they need to part. I yeah. was like, I know deep down he, she's the one that he loves Probably the most out yep. of the girls, but no, like just not can, working. Like he could be celibate for their relationship and everything. Yeah, yeah. But she should be able to go out. Like she should go out with him, like on nights, and like go out dancing or go to the bars yes. and feel fine about yeah. that. If she doesn't feel comfortable doing that, then you don't be to be, be together. Yeah, point blank. Yeah, like in that compromise. That's, like, I think that's the compromise I was talking about. Like yeah. I didn't see her ever like trying to like engage in his lifestyle. Yeah. And with his friends and in that scene. I'm very much a person where I like going out and I, I like going like going to bars or mm-hmm. going dancing and stuff like that. And if I date somebody who's like, that's not me, I'm like, okay, well, then we're not going to be together because yeah, yeah. that's very much me. That is very much you, yeah. And I encountered that in a relationship when I was mm-hmm. dating um, somebody and he was very introverted. I'm like, mm, yeah, no, not for me yeah. uh, because you have to be on board to do that. You have to be able to be fine with going to parties, socializing, right. all that kind of stuff. And I think she, too, is young. And so yeah. I think she's... I mean, she, she's 20 like, fucking three. Yeah, like, this is probably, like, 
was a very big relationship for her. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anything about her past relationships or anything, but I mean, she's doing fine. She, she was Selena Gomez. Yeah, I know. She was Selena Gomez now, so like she's fine. But <laughs> I think she just has a lot of room to grow in that aspect. Yeah. And I think that age difference I think she's very mature for her age, but I think she's mature in other areas of her life. Yeah, because, I mean, if you look at Hannah Ann, who's the same age, like, she is, that's a girl who knows what she wants and knows how she deserves to be treated. And that is somebody who was well beyond her years. I mean, I was not that wise at 23 years old. Everything she said, I was like... Yes, sis, this is exactly what, yes, like, it's like, everyone needed to hear this. It's everything, like, you would have wished you would have, like, when you're in an argument and you're like, oh, man, like, I should have said that, like, kind of thing. I like, know. she said everything. Like, when you're in the shower, you're thinking of comebacks and everything. She ha- said all those comebacks. So yep. I was like. I was very, like, I was very impressed with her. I was very proud of her. Her little spiel. And she's living in L.A. now. I would, I hope she's, like, on Paradise or something. I would love to see her like flourish and everything yeah but yeah there was a lot of toxicity there that was. we mentioned on this season and it got us thinking about all the drama that went down not only just like with madison and hannah ann but with all the girls this season i mean obviously there was toxic drama involved with victoria but we don't have time to dive into all yeah of that of all <laughs> victoria god <laughs> but i think the first example would have been like the alea drama mm-hmm. that whole debacle that took up like five episodes i feel like it was ridiculous so with peter like rewarding the emotional outburst and crying on the show then there's peter leading hannah and on and withholding his feelings for maddie and hannah b barb manipulating peter to making a decision that she wanted mm-hmm. then continuing to infantilize her son who was a full-ass man whose relationships shouldn't come down to success or failure like that line she mentioned about like he's gonna have to fail in order to succeed yes i I'm was like, like- Relationships what? are not like based on like a succession this is not or failure a test. rate. Like, <laughs> like no, that's not a thing, and it shouldn't feel like it has to be a thing either. Um, you notice how she talked to her husband in Spanish, right? Yeah, I like looked up. Apparently, she said something along the lines of like, um, "Say something bad, yeah, like help me, yeah. help me, say, help me out." Like, I guess she wanted him to like back bash up. her too and back her up, but like he was very. I, you could tell he was very uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. I mean, the entire audience was. God. Yeah, it was like, it was silent. But the list of toxicity can go on and on. But this season really got us thinking, how can we analyze toxic behavior in relationships on a deeper level? We have pointed out traits of toxicity amongst people in your life prior on the show, but never on an emotional level like an intimate relationship. So what does toxicity look like in a relationship? Toxic people are full of negative energy and they can leave you like feeling worse or drained whenever you're around them. I feel like we strongly believe that your gut instinct will tell you whether or not someone is toxic and not healthy to be around, but we do have a little bit of guidance and some signs that you can identify toxic people in your life. So the first sign of a of a toxic behavior in a relationship would be considered tiptoeing. You feel like you have to kind of tiptoe around when you're around this person and you're not allowed to express how you truly feel because that person could leave. Sometimes you aren't sure what side of this toxic person you're going to get, so they leave you walking on eggshells. Essentially, it's emotional control. So kind of like the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde situation. Yeah. Where, like, you're, you tiptoe around their feelings because you don't know, like, 
which version. You don't know which version's coming out. You're going to get bitchy <laughs> Hannah, or are we going to get nice Hannah? Yeah, because there are two sides of me. I've seen them both today already. Yeah, and sometimes the bitchy side's not nice. That's the where my toxic side. is. Yep, Your airy yep. side. Mm-hmm. Had I, to call Starbucks, you oh know. Oh my god, she complained about her coffee order. Y'all, it was straight up white chocolate mocha syrup and almond milk. There was no espresso, so I had to call them. They got one waiting for me. It's fine. She toxic. <laughs> I mean, I definitely can see I, I, a lot of these. I'm going to be upright honest. Like a lot of these toxic behaviors, I have seen firsthand from the many toxic relationships many. I have been in. What's up? Not really that healthy, but <laughs> I definitely have felt this. I have felt the emotional control, like when you don't know what side of this person you're going to get, like in very early relationships. I feel like not like with my first relationship. I not so much. My recent ones, I did feel like I had to tiptoe around with the doctor about how I felt because I was afraid they were going to leave, mm-hmm. um, and it would put it would put his emotional needs before mine in that scenario. But as far as like the whole Doctor Jekyll Mister Hyde kind of thing, it wasn't something that I have dealt with in the recent years, thankfully. But still, I, I think it's a very common. Very common. And it's a form of manipulation, honestly. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. So, <laughs> one of the big <laughs> ones that I, you know, I will rant about is gaslighting. Uh, so, for those of you that don't really know what the real definition of gaslighting is, it's when they make you feel as if you're crazy for wanting certain things that are not out of reason, or they make you feel like you're delusional because this never happened when it clearly did. One example would be when you're quote-unquote casually dating someone for an extended period of time and you essentially act like you're in a committed relationship, but the toxic person routinely reminds you that this isn't serious, even though it definitely feels like it is. Like, they've met your friends, they've met your family. I feel like we're dating. Like, I feel like we're boyfriend and girlfriend, but I don't know, maybe I'm overthinking, maybe I'm crazy. That's that's Mm -hmm. key gaslighting. And, <laughs> yeah. Or, like, first. telling you that, like, things didn't happen when clearly everyone around saw it happen. Yeah. And, yeah, just yeah, all it, that. It's just trying, it's a form of manipulation making mm-hmm. you feel like you're crazy. It's based off that whole movie, Gaslight, uh, where I don't know the full details of it. I can't remember off the top of my head. But that's where the uh, origin of the word stems from. And it's definitely something I feel like has, it's a word and it's a term that has, come really into resonance within the most recent years. I feel like I've heard a lot more people talking about it. It's very, very much on topic right now because I think it's something that a lot of people have been doing in relations for a long time, but we never really had a way to identify it. And it's what I think when guys call girls crazy, Mm -hmm. sometimes that's usually what it is because they gaslit them. It's like, well, what did you do to make her crazy? Yeah. That's my always big key point when a guy tells me that his exes are crazy. I'm like, well, you must have done something. What did you do? <laughs> like, and th- I saw something the other day on t- uh, on Twitter. It was like, instead of asking guys if you are dating someone else, asking them, is there any other girls in your life that think that they're in a relationship with you? That's a great question. Because. Because they will probably be like, yeah. I mean, if they're honest. Which they're, admit, which they're not. Not all, <laughs> not all men are honest. But this is something that I personally experienced, especially with the doctor when we, I'm not going to go into the full story, but when we had that fight on my birthday and he like 
basically said I was overreacting and evalidated my emotions, which is what minimizing is, which is what the next term is. But it's essentially like gaslighting me to thinking that I am crazy for feeling this way, even though how I'm feeling is appropriate mm-hmm. and it is an irrational. It's it's rational. It's not irrational. Yeah. Um. It's not. It's a rational feeling to what he was telling me and making me feel like. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Another sign of toxic behavior is minimizing. So whether it's your emotions or a situation, a toxic person will tell you that you are overreacting and your feelings are invalid or disproportionate to the issue. So the moment you decide to not tiptoe around your feelings anymore and you express how you feel, they gaslight you into thinking you're insane for wanting basic human decency. And then the toxic person will ultimately minimize your feelings when you get upset or angry and say you're overreacting. Or that your feelings are invalid. Yeah, so that's just fabulous. I love that. I love when people psychoanalyze me when I don't ask to be psychoanalyzed. Mm. It's a great time. It is. They try to diagnose you and say that your feelings are disproportionate to uh, the situation. It's a great time. It's a great time to feel like you're... I should under be like, a microscope. Who do you think you are? I like mean, that's the that's the thing. Like, who do you think you are to tell me that? I I I, I don't remember if I did or not. But I, in my head, I was just like when he told me like my f- emotions were disproportionate to the situation, and that it was an under it's something it had to be something more underlying that was bothering me, and I needed help with and i'm like you're stop being a doctor for once i'm not your patient stop analyzing me right now stop trying to diagnose me i am not your patient i am your quote-unquote girlfriend Mm -hmm. and like this is it was just exhausting to try like it's exhausting to sit there and try and prove that you are not crazy and you shouldn't have to prove that you are that you aren't and it's hard in the moment too like when someone's talking so poorly about you in the moment like you almost don't even, you can't even form, you did a great job. Oh, I wasn't thanks. like trying to eavesdrop, but you know. Um, <laughs> you kept wanting to intervene. <laughs> oh, I was so mad. I was just so, I looked at my boyfriend. He was like, Hannah, just let them figure it out. And I was but like, we were in public. Okay, but we're in public. We're like on a street, <laughs> like near the buses. Like, it's fine. And it's her birthday. <laughs> and like, we're just trying to get to the bar. Like, <laughs> we, we can't even get there. <laughs> I, I do realize that I, at that moment, I, I started apologizing for my behavior because I just wanted the situation to, to be go over away. With. Yep. I was just over it. I was like, mm-hmm. this is, I'm, I, I'm not getting anywhere. You're not listening to me. Yeah. And so, and like, I just want to finish my evening and yeah. we can talk another time. And he was like, why are you crying? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm crying. But I, I mean, I knew why I was you crying. You knew, yeah. I was just like, I could tell you why I'm crying. You're going to think. Clearly, what, why I'm crying, you're going to think is irrational. So, yep. I so mean, why are you even asking? Like, and then just the whole gaslighting with trying to take the situation that's at hand and then turn it onto something else. I'm like, this is not what we're fighting about right now. You're wanting to leave and, like, basically, like, you canceled our plans for my birthday. You are now, you don't want to be here. And you knew how important this day was. I mean, it's my fucking birthday. Yeah. And and you had already said how much you love your birthday. Yeah. And he said, like, I mean, I remember he said, like, I knew you said, like, you would never spend your birthday with any, like, any guy you ever dated before. I'm here. I'm like, but you don't want to be here. I can tell you're emotionally checked out mm-hmm. and you don't care to be here. And when I said that, he thought I was insane. I'm like, I, I've dated you for six months now. I well, know when I you're emotionally I sat down here. at the table and could tell that he, like... Was something was yeah. off, like he didn't want to be there, and I'm I was like, like, "This is 
this is weird. You had seen him because like, I had twice seen him before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like I have been dating for six months. I, I like, why you got to do this now? Come on. I know what you're like when you are mush. When you are mentally and here, I know what you are like, and I know when you're excited to be somewhere. You, you're emotionally. You are completely emotionally and mentally checked out right now. You do not give a damn about being here, and you just like taking that out on me and whatever stressors he had. That's what he did mm-hmm. in that moment. And it almost was, like, villainizing me in a way for something that I had never done. I had not done anything to him. Yeah. I just cried. And yeah, you just got upset like any and normal that was human another, I mean, would. that was another form of gaslighting, too, because he knew I hated crying. And I'm very... I've told many people in my yeah. life, if you see me cry, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I don't like crying. I don't like appearing vulnerable. And he'd always told me, like, it's okay to cry. Like, it's okay, like, to open up and not that. And w- the moment I do it, I'm suddenly, like, insane mm-hmm. and crazy for that. And that's just emotional manipulation and control in that way. But I know I just mentioned villainizing, and that's another form of toxic behavior. So villainizing is when everything will feel as if it's your fault, and the toxic person will find a way to somehow place the blame on you. Something must clearly be wrong with you for you to be acting this way, and they take no blame or fault for their actions. The toxic person holds no accountability and cannot apologize for the way they've acted, because clearly it's not their fault. They're perfect. They're a free fucking spirit. (laughs) Well, this one's my favorite. So um, (laughs) when someone's controlling, it's it's their way or no way. Everything in the relationship will ultimately feel like it's Mm one-sided. The toxic person does not know how to compromise and will refuse to. And you must change for them, not the other way around. I mean, I think this is very much like the Maddie Peter situation we just talked about. Yes. I mean, like I said, like she, there was no compromise on her end for anything. Mm -mm. And I definitely think that this is probably the most common form of toxicity that we always see is people like you feel like you give and give and give to this relationship and then you're not getting anything back in return it's like well why do I feel like I'm always the one like going to his house or I'm the one that's always doing what he wants to do or hanging out with his friends it's never my friends kind Mm -hmm. of thing and you're sitting there wondering like where did my social life go? Where did my friends go? I We always do what he wants to do. We never do what I want to do. That was literally me with my ex. Yeah. Like, I just got to a point where I was like, there is no, there is nothing coming from him to me to, like, do what I want to do. And mm-hmm. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm not putting up with this anymore. Because yeah. I know that someone out there is going to give and compromise a little bit. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's just what, that's what it is. Like, you don't compromise yourself, but... You compromise. You shouldn't compromise yourself. No, you should never compromise yourself. But you, like I said, you have to be able to be a little bit more flexible and like put yourself out there in uncomfortable situations to grow as a person and grow in a relationship. So, yeah, I mean, that was how it was with the doctor. It was always one sided with Mm -hmm. him. It's like the only compromise I was asking from him was just a label. I just wanted him to call me his girlfriend. Yeah, which is, I'm, I mean, you, you guys were dating. Like, you weren't seeing anyone else. I, did, so. was like, I was like, you're not dating anybody else. You have not seen anybody else since you started dating me. Yeah. And frankly, if you want to see anybody else, I feel like you probably would have already, but you don't really honestly have the time, nor are you hot enough for that. I'm sorry. So, therefore, you're happy just seeing me. 
you like where this is going. You like how much time we spend together. Because we were hanging out two to three times a week. Yeah, y'all were hanging out a lot. He was like, I feel like if we like are in a relationship, like I can't give you what you need. I'm like, motherfucker, you have not asked me what I need. Mm-hmm. Like, you didn't ask me what I wanted or needed in a relationship. Because what we're doing right now, that's fine. I'm not well, asking. That's a relate. I mean, that's a relationship a when you are two adults living in separate places, doing separate things in school. Like, that's what a really, I mean... I see, I see Blaine maybe maybe twice a week, mm-hmm. typically once. Depends on his schedule. Depends mm-hmm. on which shift he's on, and like we have a label. We text him and every day. Yeah, we text every day. I didn't like, ask him to. I didn't. I, motherfucker went away for like a literally. Month and a half. The only difference is that I call him my boyfriend and I'm his girlfriend, and we don't see anyone else. Yeah, like that. That's it. That's the like, only change that happened. I was like, I'm literally not asking. For anything else, yeah. I just want to be able to put on Facebook in a relationship with this dude. Mm-hmm. It's shall- almost like guys like play it up in their head, like it's this like big change. It's and, like, not a change at all. It's literally just like it's a security it's blanket. A security, yeah. I was gonna say it's a security blanket. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel secure in our relationship, and I don't have to worry about things. Yeah. and that's that. Because like, I'm sick and tired of it telling people they're like, "Oh, is this your boyfriend?" I'm like, "Well, we're not boyfriend and girlfriend. I'm just just, just the guy that I'm casually." dating oh how long have you been dating six months so half a year so sweetie that's a boyfriend and girlfriend like your boyfriend and girlfriend and i'm like tell him that please thank you so much it's like there was literally nothing more that i was asking for it was just a label to know that something about like our generation and the generation below us like casual dating is like such a big prevalent thing and i don't get it like literally, I don't. I personally don't enjoy it, so I, that's not something that I like or know much about. But it seems it seems as though more and more people are just casually dating. For me, like I've I've done it, and it's just like all all it means is that if you're casually dating, that means you are interested in seeing other people, mm-hmm. and while you're getting. But it's usually like the first like two or so months, like when you're just trying to get to know the person. It's and almost like they don't want that label just in case. But I'm like, so like, just in case, sweetie, you're not hot enough. I know, for that. I know. Like, <laughs> I'm, but I, but I, that's that, that's where that's what I that's no, what I feel absolutely. is that they don't want the label just in case. I oh, know. I mentioned. And I'm it, like, I mentioned this to so my friend. Dumb. I talked about it to one of my friends, and he was like, "No, nah, that just means like you just want to sleep with other people." But let's be real. Like, he ain't. No, you're not. <laughs> like, you're not seeing anybody else. Like, literally. Just, like, just in case. Like, and I just can't wrap my head around that, and I don't understand why more and more people, like, have that mindset and why, why everyone's so afraid of commitment. I think that's what it comes down to is everyone is so afraid of committing because there might be someone better. I might be missing out on then an break opportunity. Up with the person. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's you just want to have your cake it. and eat it too. And I'm sorry. That's not how life works. And as you get older and you and you adult, that's not how it works. Yeah. It's not how it works in any part of your life. Because it's not like he had a overall, he said he had a fear of commitment. I'm like, you say you want to get married. You are also in med school. You also signed a lease. Like, you also have tattoos. Yeah, like, like um, commitment's not the issue. The with you with was the with me was just the silent part. Yeah. And I'm like, I gave him an, a door to leave. You gave him an out, honestly. I, with the first conversation that you brought up yeah. to him, like, if he knew that wasn't where he was was intending to go with you, he should have taken that out. Yeah. And saved you both from. It's just like what Hannah Ann said to Peter, like when she said, "I rather you have. I would. I wish you would have let me go instead of making me give this back to you." Talking about the ring because mm-hmm. now you've ruined my first engagement. Yeah, and 
I mean, that's exactly how I felt. I mean, we weren't engaged, but it was like, I like, gave you a chance to go when I was emotionally ready for you, but you said, I still, like, want to keep seeing you, and... Which sucks, because it took you a long time to get to that vulnerable place, and yeah. you could have been doing that with somebody else. Yeah. And Not was, to say that, like, think that didn't, that relationship no, yeah. didn't have a purpose in your life, but, like, he could have let you go so that you could have taken that time to heal and then move on and give that to somebody who wants it. PTSD. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But like there was moments when he mentioned, what was it? When we had the first talk about this, he was just like two months in he was like, I mean, I haven't seen anybody else since I started seeing you. I don't really, I was like, I haven't seen anybody else. I don't want to see anybody else. I just want to see you. So if you're not seeing anybody else, then what, I don't see what the big Mm -hmm. deal is. And he was just like, I just don't like how, I don't like breakups. I don't like how relationships end. And I'm like, Motherfucker, we still had a breakup. Like, we don't even have a label, so, like, how can we break up? We don't up? have a label, but we still broke up. This it is still true. wasn't. This is true. Like, it was still, like, an actual breakup. Like, we are blocked on everything. Yeah, like, yeah. I, well, I mean, because you were dating. Like, yeah. you were dating, so you broke up. I'm like, you just don't want to see my parents. Like, that's the only thing. Like, just admit it. But, like, hell, my mom didn't want to meet you anyways. But another toxic behavior would be withholding. So... Resonates with me so well. (laughs) There's always space between you two. Every time you try to get closer to the toxic person, you feel like they take five steps back. It's like you're right there at the edge, but then they quickly disappear over the cliff. Once you get too close, you can never fully see them. And I mean, that's exactly like we just said, like how me and him were. It was like we get so much closer to being in a relationship, and then he take five steps back mm-hmm. and, emo- and emotionally withhold and withdraw and never really be upfront with how they're feeling. I think that's a really important key is if this person, you feel like, not that they're lying to you, but they're not giving you the whole truth about how they feel. You're questioning how they feel. Like, you shouldn't have to question how this person feels yeah. about you. It should, you should be known. Like, it should be out there and you should know how this person feels about you. Like, yeah, it's either a fuck yeah or a fuck no. That's Mm -hmm. how I feel. Another toxic behavior is fantasizing. So you've created this image of the person you are with that they cannot actually live up to. A toxic person will have all of these expectations that you're completely unaware of, and then they make you feel like it's your fault for not living up to their daydream. This makes me think about Ariana Grande's song where she plays the voicemail in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, where he's like, you've created this person in your head, like, it's yeah. time to be done, whatever he says. Yeah. I mean, like, I'll be up front. It happens. Yeah, I'll be up front. I mean, I have this toxic behavior myself yeah. where I did this, and it's something that I'm aware of and I'm working on, but, I'm yeah, like, I'm not completely innocent. Like, I've had toxic things in my life that I've done, and this was something where I often see people's potential without seeing credentials Mm -hmm. and I will be upset when they don't fulfill like this dream that I have in my head of them and it's not their fault that they're not living up to it when they've given me like all this stuff like no this is how I am I can't live up to what you're thinking you're thinking of me and I've also had it done to me as well. Like, you think I'm this calm, cool, collected person, but when I express my emotions, you're dissatisfied with that. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not always good with the flow. Like, I yeah. do have some raw parts of me that you have to accept as well. So I think that this is something that a lot of people don't often consider toxic, but I definitely think that it, we think that it is mm-hmm. because you are basically putting someone like on a pedestal 
and without their knowledge. And a lot of people don't want to be put on a pedestal because then it's like they can't ever mess up mm-hmm. kind of thing. And yeah. if they mess up, then it's all their fault when they had no idea they were up there to begin with. I feel like that was me with my ex. Mm-hmm. Like when he got upset with me because I didn't go to the hospital when he popped his knee out of place. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like I had just committed a terrible crime and mm-hmm. like I didn't realize he had put me on like such a pedestal and he said that moment was like pivotal and like made him question whether or not he even wanted to like marry me and you know there's just like when you put up there and you fantasize this perfect person and you have these high expectations and this person has these huge high expectations of you and then you mess up which everyone messes up all of the time it just happens it's like their world just like crumbled because you're not this perfect human being that they've created in their head. Mm-hmm. And then you feel guilty mm-hmm. for not being that. So mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy. One that I feel like is obvious is jealousy. I mean, it sounds obvious, like I said, but some people tend to think that their partner, if their partner isn't jealous, then clearly they don't care about them. And that's just not the case. They're just being healthy a lack of trust in the other person just creates unnecessary drama that's not needed in order to feel loved. If there has to be drama within the relationship or somebody has to be envious of something else, I mean, that's not the case. I don't think, I mean, while all my relationships have been dramatic, they don't have to be. That's not what love is. And I feel like watching Peter season on The Bachelor, that's how he equated love because, I mean, how his mom reacted and how she behaves, mm-hmm. then if he sees a girl acting that way, that must mean that she cares or that's the form of love or anything like that. And that's why he rewarded that behavior for so long because that's all he kind of was known. Yeah. That's all he knew. Yeah, I feel like that's why he to. kept Victoria for yeah. so long. Yeah. Because it's like, well, my mom acts this way. So maybe this is how, and I, I, I love my parents' relationship, so maybe this is how, like, relationships are supposed to be. It's supposed to be this drama. It's supposed to be this tug and pull, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It should have been, like, how it was with Hannah Ann until you don't fuck yes. it up. Mm-hmm. Poor Hannah Ann. Yeah. I mean, and same with Maddie, too. I mean, I feel like that was a constant tug and pull of a relationship mm-hmm. and why he was so drawn to her. And whereas with Hannah Ann, it was, he always said it was so easy. And it's like, that's yeah, how it that's good. Be. Easy is not always bad. I mean, I know it's boring. <laughs> Trust me, I know it's boring, but it doesn't mean that it's bad. Mm-hmm. Like, you just have to, like, realize, oh, oh okay. It should feel this comfortable. I should feel like this, so-and-so. Yeah. Okay, so we've kind of talked about all the different behaviors that could be toxic in your relationship, but now we're going to talk about what do you do if you are involved in a toxic relationship. So the first thing would be to establish boundaries, and we cannot say this enough. Boundaries are not intended to offend anyone. They are meant to protect you. Barb and Peter's relationship is a perfect example because there are no boundaries. He still lives at home. He talks about his sex life with his parents. He looks to them for his decision-making. Essentially, he is still a high school student. He cannot trust his own opinion or judgment, nor can he hold himself accountable. But that's what toxicity can do to you. When you establish clear boundaries calmly and consistently, you can have a healthier relationship. So I think with boundaries, one, you have to kind of go in when you're establishing boundaries. And I know I'm going to get into it. I'll talk a little bit about how, like, what boundaries technically are because for a long time I wasn't sure what that meant yeah really and I mean my ex will notoriously say that you know not having a label was a boundary for him no that's and a fear of commitment is a boundary no that's I don't think that's a boundary no that's just 
an excuse. And a boundary for me is more like you can't talk to me this way. You can't tell people about this part of our life. Like, I think Peter telling his parents about his sex life. Yeah. That's a clear boundary violation. It's like if I was his girlfriend or his wife or whatever, be like, that's not something we should talk about. Yeah, that's just uncomfortable and weird. Yeah. And And not necessary at all. (laughs) And even like just telling your parents everything that happens in our relationship, like all the qualms of it all the drama like that's something that they don't need to know and i think it definitely that marriage you see that a lot people like will tell their parents about like the marriage problems they're having it's like no like this is between me and you mm-hmm. it doesn't involve everybody else but i think one thing that you have to go in mind with is that not everybody's going to respect your boundaries all the time i mean you could establish them doesn't mean people are going to follow them but you have to decide which boundaries are kind of negotiable too and that's where compromise comes in because a true compromise isn't abandoning your needs to please someone else or expecting treatment that you consider a deal breaker. If you someone repeatedly violates your most important boundaries, you have to ask yourself how long are you willing to like accept that treatment? And you can decide like, okay, well, I don't like that he spends Sunday all day with his parents, but he is very very close to his family and that's where he like, he has to do it he's done it for so many years it's like okay well how can we compromise on that can i be involved mm-hmm. um or can we like can you do like, like one- every other sunday yeah or something, something like, like that. that yeah something like that where like you can see a compromise on their end it's like well yeah i like that you spend every sunday with him like i'm glad you're really close to your family but i also like i don't work on sundays so i would like to see you Mm -hmm. and have that weekend time with you and everything not feel like i'm having to share you all the time because we are together or we are married that whole thing and then i i want to say i don't want to say like you should keep track of like when someone violates these boundaries because it's not like a record keeping kind of thing but letting them know like when you feel like your boundaries are being violated i think is really important Mm -hmm. and doing that more in a private setting than a public setting Mm -hmm. like on national tv live (laughs) so they can't re-record yeah exactly (laughs) and it's not on the internet forever Hmm. But I also think telling the truth is important when you are involved in a toxic relationship. So when you lie to avoid hurting their feelings, you're only catering to their toxic behavior. If something is bothering you, speak up. Don't bottle inside. If this person makes you feel like you can't be upfront with where you are or who you're with or what you're going through, then this is a sign of controlling issues that need to be resolved in order to make you feel like you are free to talk and be honest with them and be like, hey, like, I'm just not, where I'm at mentally right now is not a good place. And I think speaking that and telling your partner that is key because they can't read your mind. Mm -hmm. And if you tell them that, you know, you are, you're feeling drained or if how they're treating you is hurting you and speaking up in those matters, I think it's important too. Yeah. And being up front, but like, hey, like you, I really like like it when people call me on my birthday or I need you to text me every morning and tell me good morning and I need you to text me at night and tell me good night things like that like I need you to do these things and that will and that's also a boundary too I think it's like I need you to do these things that make me feel good and so I know that our relationship is good and something like that like I feel like some people probably would think like that sounds needy mm-hmm. but it's a text good morning 
text goodnight. It's like to make sure you're still alive, you know, yeah. like. And it just makes it feel like that person cares about you. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like, and it's a form of love language too as well. I think being honest with your love language, being honest. Especially ha- if you're not with that person all of the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I need you to do these things to make me feel like I am secure in this relationship. Yeah. And that's fine, I think. Yeah. Another thing you can do is confront without confrontation. So privately take this person aside. Like we said, don't do it on national television. Um, (laughs) It's easy to make a scene or let your emotions overcome you, but standing tall away from the crowd is power. Identify the behavior that you find unsettling. Then firmly point out that there will be consequences if it continues. Again, we are not professionals, so take this with a grain of salt. But definitely use your caution in these moments. I think that's um, like with... Originally, you just keep using the Maddie Peter Barb situation. I mean, it's a great, it's just a good example. And yeah. I, well, most people saw it. But like, I mean, just for this instance, for my instance too, I think on my birthday, I tried to pull him aside privately. I mean, yeah. it's the most private as we could be on you a made a, public yeah, You made street. us wait around the corner. Oh, no. Which we, I didn't want to be, like, I didn't want to be in that with yeah. you. Like, yeah, that was something you guys needed to do yourself, you know? <laughs> could you imagine? <laughs> we're in a circle and like you're you're surrounding like me and i would have gone all um charlotte on him was it charlotte yeah in sex in the city like no like don't touch her (laughs) no (laughs) just imagine like you guys like ganging up on us like it's from the middle just like standing like a circle like all right who's going in the middle now (laughs) i mean y'all could have like got some popcorn or something like it i mean it was entertainment we could have walked around the block i would have loved to have been not in that fight actually and been one of you guys just watching it happen because that seems like a better spot to be at we were having our own little powwow (laughs) together (laughs) but i think like you know pulling the person aside and you know whether you are in a public situation or not but, like, figuring out a good time and place, not when you're in the middle of doing something, I think. Like, so if you live together, like, right, like, before bed or something like that. I don't know. Just figuring out a better place to do when you're, the person's attention can be undivided towards you and you're not making, like, a scene and villainizing this person in a way, I guess. So another thing I think you can also do is to stop being the therapist. I think this is something that a lot of women especially can relate to because we often feel like we have... we. I just feel like a lot of women resonate with this one more than men because mm-hmm. we are always stereotyped as listeners and nurturers and that we feel like it's our place to cater and help everybody else in the family. But being a great listener is amazing, but emotionally dumping can be exhausting. When a toxic person unloads all their baggage onto you, it can be leave you feeling responsible to give them advice or help them you cannot fix them and it's important to create a safe space for them to feel like they can talk to you but they you don't have to fix the situation i guess you're not responsible for their emotions you never have been you never will be yes you want to be there for them but these are times they need professional help and that's not on you boo i think i definitely I mean, I feel like I've been on both sides of this where I've done that for some people, but Mm -hmm. then I've also been in a situation where a guy I've dated has, like, emotionally, like, dumped all his, like, here's how my mom screwed me over as a kid. Here it is. (laughs) I'm like, oh, God, like, I am not here to help you. Like, I often always feel like I am because I am, can be codependent, which is a toxic trait, I think, and I have to realize, like, it's not my responsibility Like, just listen, and you don't have to give advice, you don't have to fix them. I think I have always been characterized as a great listener. People 
always feel like they can open up to me for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, you're a good listener. (laughs) I think you are. But I notice a lot of people do that, and I have to filter it and realize, like, okay, like, when can I stop? Like, I can't always be there, and realizing when I need to filter it out and when I be like, hey, like, I love you, but I just, I don't have the time I know, or like, I just don't have the mental capacity to like sit here and help you with this right now. I'm just in an, I'm not in a good headspace, so I'm sorry. I wish I could be there for you and help you, but I'm just not at the emotional capacity right now. <laughs> I just know that whole thing on Twitter was going around. It's like, are you in like the appropriate mindset to handle some bad news right now or something like that? Nope, Whatever that meme I am was. Not. And it's like, no, I'm actually not, Karen. Thank you. Thank you for asking. <laughs> so the last thing that we think you guys could do if you're in a toxic relationship is to give forgiveness. They always say kill them with kindness, like Selena Gomez. Oh my god. But forgiving without a proper apology is true strength. In order to heal ourselves, we must forgive whether or not we're asked for forgiveness and whether or not the person is still hurting us. It's hard. Mhm. It's hard when you don't get an apology. Yep. But like once you forgive the person, like it's so much easier to move forward. Yeah. I mean, it's, and a, it's so it's much a easier. whole process yeah. of moving on. It's yeah. a whole like and the 12 steps, like, you gotta do that. Mm-hmm. And and I've done it. Like, I forgive my ex, and I never got an apology from him. And I've kind of... It's something I won't forget. It taught me a lot, but I've forgiven him. And, like, that, like, put me at peace. Oh, and yeah. it was just easier to just not think about it anymore. Yeah. And just kind of move on. It was, like, that last thing that I needed to do. Really was like, you know what? I forgive it. I forgive the situation. And I'm moving forward, like... We're good not gonna like dwell on it because i can't change it so yeah i mean i definitely always think of the lauren conrad saying i i want to forgive you and i want to forget you yeah and i think definitely having a podcast where you rehash a lot of your relationships yeah, is hard. it's important to forgive but not holding the resentment mm-hmm. still and it's something that i have tried to do where it's like yes this happened to me and not withholding anger because when you withhold that anger and you don't like accept the apology that you didn't get it's like that last thread because it's easier to be angry than forgive because when you forgive that means that you've cut all ties all emotional ties with this person and if you're angry with them then there's you're still attached to them in some way. And it's hard. It's super hard to cut that string and let it go because then that means that they're personally, they're forever cut out of your life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whatever it may be, whether you are still with this person, I don't know how to give you advice for that. But I think realizing you had to not only forgive them, but you had to forgive yourself Mm -hmm. too. It's not your fault. Yeah. We have identified toxic behaviors. We've identified what you should do if you are in a toxic relationship all kind of from the victim standpoint. Yeah, but true. <laughs> what if you are the toxic one? That's the ultimate question that we're trying to point out because it's so easy to identify toxic behaviors in other people, but it's so hard to do it within yourself as well. Mm-hmm. And I hope that by hearing all these different scenarios and examples and signs that you are able to personally identify with them and check to see if you feel like you are toxic and these are some things that we feel like you can do once you do admit that you are toxic because that's the first step is being aware and admitting to yourself that you're not perfect because no one is and I think that everybody can have they always have some form of toxicity within themselves at some point in their life and so these are things you can do once you realize that 
yeah, you may be the toxic one here. Check your ego. You either think that you're way better than your partner or way worse. Sometimes you think both of these things in the same day and you act out in jealousy. Realize that everyone has their strengths and weaknesses and who is better or worse shouldn't matter in a relationship. If you love them, learn to be equal. Another one which can be hard is being alone. One form of toxicity, like I just said, is codependency. And I think a lot of people don't ever really think of that as being toxic. You kind of put that victim mentality on you. I mean, it even sounds kind of victimized. It doesn't sound like it is a toxic thing because it's like, well, I'm just trying to, you know, help the other person. I'm not. But you're abandoning your own needs and that's toxic. Yeah. And you're putting all this pressure on this other person. So you think it's your responsibility to fix your partner's happiness. So you pile an immense amount of unreasonable expectations onto your partner only to be led to disappointment and fighting. I think it's important to take some time to be alone and single. And it's crucial to learning things about yourself and seeing that another person is not the source of your well-being and happiness. I think no matter what kind of form of toxicity you feel like you have, taking time to be alone, assess where this toxic behavior is coming from, whether it's codependency, you feel like you're gaslighting, no matter where it's coming from, assess the emotional trauma that's happening to you and figure out why it's happening and what these people are doing that resurface it in your life and how you can change that in your next relationship. Those are the only things you're going to find from being alone. I mean, I was alone for eight years alone i think fucking so time it's a long time it's a long long time and it was it was a different experience for me i mean one i'm already a very independent person to begin with yeah. i'm an only child i'm very headstrong stubborn i'm very well independently and i really tried to assess the uh, things that i wanted in a relationship and what now, I mean, really what I'm assessing is things that I no longer tolerate in relationships mm-hmm. and identifying red flags and what I will and will not stand for. And I think that when you do that and assessing why I put up with the things that I have put up with, the toxicity that I have put up with, why I act the ways that I do when I am met with those kind of things, it really about, allows me to go into relationships a lot smarter, a lot more mature mm-hmm. and a lot more equal I guess I kind of always put blame on like, well, I just, I don't attract these guys. Like I, these, these fuck boys come to me, but I allow them. Mm-hmm. I can allow the behavior to continue. Yeah. I don't stop it. Right. And so that is where my fault is. It's like, no, like you have an option to stand up for yourself and stop letting people treat you this way. Like you don't have to be treated this poorly. You just let them do that. And if you cut it off and end it sooner, yeah, relationship ends. It's Okay. You'll find somebody else. You've been hurt bad before. Just imagine you can do it again. Right. I know the I know the brain doesn't remember pain, but just because you've been hurt before, you've seen yourself bounce back. You can do it again. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing you can do when you realize you're the toxic one in a relationship or just in general is seek out therapy. Chances are that if you're acting out in toxic ways, you have trauma or emotional baggage you haven't sorted through. Seeking professional help in the form of a therapist is one way to take action in the right direction. If the first step is awareness, then the next step is action. And I cannot encourage therapy enough. I mean, talking to your friends is one thing. Yeah. But I always encourage therapy because it is an hour of time... Granted, you're paying for it, but it's an hour of time where this person has 
your undivided attention Mm -hmm. because you're paying for it. (laughs) And so, I mean, I've told my therapist before I've felt really awkward sometimes in therapy because it feels rude because I should ask you how you're doing and how's your life going. But she's like, no, like it's about you. Yeah, this isn't about me. This This isn't about about me. (laughs) This isn't about me. We're not talking about me and my life or anything like that. Like it's about you and you can say anything and... It's nice because they don't interrupt you and you can selfishly like talk about yourself mm-hmm. and not feel bad afterwards. And I mean, like my friends can't fix my problems for me in a healthy way. And I think when you find the right one, because you're not going to find the best one the first time you go around and not the fifth time you go around. It takes a while. And when you find that one, you hold on to them ever so dearly. And even if you move, you find ways to keep talking to them yeah, in some way. Yeah. But I, I definitely think that a therapist can help you assess problems that you never could on your own because you, know, you can get to the root of them. I think we're going through online therapy and like doing research, but you're not going to know how to handle that yeah. trauma. And there was a lot of times where I've gone through things where I didn't really know why I was doing it. She's like, oh no, like, let's, she's like, let's put the word on what your breakup was. It was trauma. Like you have PTSD from it. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know it was, I didn't know I was, I was going through PTSD. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know that's what this was. I always thought like it had to be like physically abusive and this whole big overlapping dramatic thing in order to get PTSD and she's like no like it's not and that's something something traumatic and yep you're you're stressing from it you're having a lot of stressors yes and this is after the fact and we just defined the word with the word (laughs) (laughs) but I mean so yeah like those are things I would not have learned without going to therapy right yeah and how to I mean I always kind of say like my therapist is like the little voice in the back of my head now because there's certain things I will go through I'm like no like she wouldn't be okay with that, so I'm just not, I'm not gonna do that. She would be disappointed in me. Oh, <laughs> because I mean I I couldn't I could go into my next session and not tell her that part. Yeah, but then it's like, well, no, like the reason this and this and this is because I did this, this, and this. And so when I'm honest with her and I tell her everything, then I feel like it's a much it's more understanding Mm -hmm. and we can get to the solution a lot better. Right. Exactly. There's also meditation. I think I usually will do this like in the morning, like with my headspace app, not a sponsor, but if you want to let us know, (laughs) anger can often feel uncontrollable and sadness is very devastating. So meditation and breathing exercises are a great way to ground yourself and be present in the moment and to literally slow down on a cellular level. I think being present is super important, especially when it comes to very stressful things in your life, especially with the environment we are in right now. I think getting down to the core of yourself and really like coming to ease with your mind and being present in the moment is super helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And the last thing is be honest and responsible. Realizing you're acting toxic is just the beginning. There are going to be continuous months and years of human messiness ahead. No one ever has perfect relationships, but you're going to have to work extra hard to function normally. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to be self-aware, but if you just are like, oh, this is just how I am. Like, this is this is just the way I am. And you're not taking responsibility yeah. for it. Taking responsibility is doing something about it. And not, like, yeah, like, you're toxic, but you don't have to be. Like, you can do something about it, and I think that that's important, and people should do that more often, because then you're just kind of, like, being lazy about it, Mm -hmm. and you're waiting for somebody else to come along and fix it, in a way, and... It's not going to happen. No. 
So I think our survival tip for this episode is if you find yourself being toxic, not only is self-awareness and fixing the issue important, but just recognizing your toxicity is the first big step to a better and brighter future. And keep in mind, while you're practicing kindness toward others, remember to save some for yourself too. So that does it for today's episode of The Gals Guide. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Gals Guide Pod. Also like us on Facebook at The Gals Guide and become a Gal Scout in our Facebook community. You can also hit us up on our website, thegalsguidepod.com, and on our personal social media, which will be linked in the show notes. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us out, guys. Hit that fifth star. So thanks for listening, gals, and we hope you come back for our next journey.